0: Hello friends and welcome to Ill-Natured, a true crime podcast. This is Michelle. And I'm Alyssa. Live and earlier. in person. As Hi. always. <laughs> <laughs> so great. So, like I said in our Halloween episode, we're gonna mm-hmm. try to start recording ourselves and posting mm-hmm. clips of it. So I might be looking down. This is where my computer's at. So And I'll just stare at you like this the whole time. Yeah, that's look, not creepy. You right? can look at yourself and be like, damn, I look good. Oh okay, okay. So Welcome Sorry. back. Anything new? We're very glad you're here. We hope you enjoyed the Halloween episode. We had so much fun recording we did. that one. We love Halloween. We had our Halloween party last night. Um, mm-hmm. We did. We tried to record this episode last night and it didn't Mm-mm. work out as planned and Mm-mm. that's okay. No. It did And it is okay. But we had lots of fun. We did. Um, and we didn't have a pumpkin carving contest because I couldn't find well, pumpkins. We carved a pumpkin. So I guess that means just by default that, that we won. Oh. Uh, we'll have to do a costume contest. That's oh, we can do the costume. That's perfect. So oh, we can at least have one Halloween
1: contest. That's right. And let
0: you all see. So um today guys, I just want to go ahead and prepare you all that you need to buckle up and get ready, okay? Because this is gonna be a long one. Mm -hmm. It's a large case. There's a lot of information, and there's probably a lot that I'm not even going to be able to mention because there's just so much. Right. So, this is the most known case we've done probably so far, and I would argue and say this is probably the one, one of the serial killers that you can mention to anyone and they've heard of this person. Yep. Um agreed. Whether they know anything about it or not, it's a different story. But if I say the Zodiac killer, you know you know who I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. So that's right. I did a Facebook poll on our group, and I had a couple of different serial killers listed out, like Jeffrey Dahmer, John Wayne Gacy, Ted Bundy, the Zodiac, mm-hmm. Richard Ramirez. Which one you wanted me to cover? Because I was having a hard time choosing. I was actually leaning towards the Zodiac, right? But I just was wanting to know what y'all wanted to hear. And to my surprise, the Zodiac got blown out. Like they're that was they, the one, yeah, like the one by. The most far whatever. So, yeah. <laughs> the most. The farthest. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so, y'all are on my we- wavelength, which I appreciate. Oh. And I am excited to jump into the Zodiac Killer. Now, it is unsolved. We, have no, I we have no idea. I who did We have no idea who this is. I did not know that it was unsolved. Yes. No idea. Um... You know, I always I was like a soft soft case, but hopefully just like the um the killer in California that just um just got found out through ancestral DNA. Oh yeah, was, back in twenty eighteen. Golden State, State Killer. Golden State Killer. Hopefully that's gonna happen. Joseph D'Angelo, yep. I think is what his name yep, is. I think you're correct. So there are It's hard with the Zodiac because there's a ton of people that we're going to mention. The suspects. That's probably going to be the third or fourth episode. Mm -hmm. But there are so many people that, like, fit the bill. Like, it's weird. It's scary. Like, how many people you can put as, like... So many possible suspects. That could be the Zodiac. Now, yeah. So... But the problem is there's so many theories. Mm-hmm. Like some people like paint him as this like maniacal genius. Right. And then it's other, you know, people like I listen to a podcast that I'll talk about later in the episode. Um, and you know, he would, some people just see him as a regular dude. Right. Just some like jackass. So it's just interesting. <laughs> yeah. But it just is interesting to when you go through all of it, um, Are all of these, uh, I will go ahead and say this too. There's like the main, there's a main five victims. Right. That are attributed to the Zodiac Killer. Mm -hmm. Now, there are other interesting Uh cases that can be linked to the Zodiac, but did he do them? We don't know. Okay, so so five. Yeah. Right. And so, we won't get into the possibilities of other Right. Murders or whatever attributed to Zodiac until part two. Mm-hmm. Um, So we're just going to jump back into 1960s in Northern California. We're going to talk about the first Zodiac murder that we know about. Mm-hmm. And the second one. Those are the definite. It's hard for me to say definitely. Uh, but right, I, yes, right. these are I contributed to the it. Zodiac yeah. Like, okay, so, like, Elena in, from Morbid, I'll talk about this too, this is, she also inspired me to do the Zodiac, because she just got off her Jack the Ripper case. Right. And, you know, they say the canonical five of his Jack the Ripper victims, you know, there's like five main victims that right. he said right. was Jack right, the right, Rippers. Right. That's the same thing for the Zodiac, he has like a conical, chronic conical, conical. I don't, I'm not sure about that word. Let me find another. The canonical. 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 Okay, wait, wait, wait. Canonical. Canonical. canonical there we go canonical of relating to or required go. by canon law of or appearing in the biblical canon conforming to orthodox or well patterns conforming to orthodox or orthodox or well-established rules or patterns so as a procedure so it, there is like a canonical five okay. Whoa, did you see that with the bats? Spooky. So, there's five victims that are attributed to the Zodiac just as Jack the Ripper. And I personally, like the whole time I listened to Elena's Jack the Ripper series, all I could think about was the Zodiac. I was like, there are so many things that the Zodiac did that I feel like were the same as Jack the Ripper. And he takes a lot of stuff from pop culture, you know, different, different stuff. He's, it's, he's a lot. so Hard hard nut to crack. (laughs) Yeah. So, a lot was actually going on during this time, especially in San Francisco and the surrounding areas. so So, let's talk about real quick. Okay. All... The serial killers in California, Bonkersville, especially during this time, it's late sixties, seventies, it's crazy. And I, I say that this is the era right before serial killers, like yeah, like did California, he inspire the others. California was rocking, okay, during this time, it's crazy, man. And uh, I feel like. There was other crimes, like, so Charles Manson was around this yep. time, mm-hmm. um, which we'll talk about Zodiac and the media later on, yep. and he was trying to fight for attention. Yeah. Like, when they were always yep. saying stuff about Charles Manson, and he, wanted he to comes. Be, yeah. Hmm crazy to fight murderers. I mean just whoa, you know, number yeah. one. But but this time when they were you when know, they were so popular. Did we talk about that was last night when the episode that we can't use, but people wanted to dress up like serial killers. I hate it. Yeah. All the Dahmer costumes being sold out. I hate that is it. freaking why me would out. we glorify some of these sickest humans, especially Dahmer in my case, he is the worst. Uh, most disgusting human that's ever lived. People, please don't don't dress up as Jeffrey Dahmer. Like, I know just don't I, do it's it. not good to me. I don't. I it's creepy. It's, like gross. Like, it's gross. So we both dressed up last night. I dressed up as Wilma. You dressed up as Scarlet Witch. No. no. What's her name? Scarlet Joe Widow. Hanson, that Black place. Widow. I mixed them together. Avengers. We had an Avengers theme sort of Anyways. So my thing is if someone was like, Oh, she must wanna be Wilma, oh, I'll take it. I don't care. Right. Oh, she must want to be Black Widow. Yeah, All right. let's go kick Bye. ass. Kick, and okay. That's right. Hang out with the freaking Chris Hemsworth. Thor. Yeah. Oh, that's my man's. And Chris Evans. Anyways, so. Basically, though, if you're going to dress up as one of the creepiest, but you most want, horrific humans. Well, I was humans, about to say, you're dre- dressing up as Dahmer. And you want people to be like, ooh, he must want to be like Jeffrey Dahmer. And right. that's like, warning, warning, eat stay my away. Kids. Like, yeah. Stay uh-uh. away from me. Right. It's weird. It's odd and off-putting and yikes. And I better not see one. We're recording this the day before Halloween. Yeah. This will come out after Halloween, though. It's but if I see funny. you, it's I'm not, fighting you on site. <laughs> it's not cheeky and fun. It's not funny. It's not cheeky. No. It's not funny. Not funny. Not, not funny. Not at all. Not cheeky. Damn it. Don't do it. So, yeah. Sorry. That's my little side note because I saw something about mm-hmm. the costumes being sold out. And I was just like, what the hell? What is Sold happening? out? Yeah. People can't find Domer costumes anywhere. Why would you choose to emulate that person? Oh my gosh. Anyway, so rant over. It also really creeps me out when people like walk around with like Ted Bundy's face on a sweatshirt, too. Yeah. It's, I I just, to glorify these people, it's a lot. It's too much. And I hate it. It's just not my groove. But. Uh-uh. Um, anyways. Sorry. So, that's all I'm going to say about that. Okay. The first murder that happens in the Zodiac mm-hmm. series that we start with is in 68. So, the year before, in 67, mm-hmm. during the summer, was the Summer of Love. So, and it was, like, based in San Francisco. Yeah. So, like, thousands and thousands of, like... Teenagers and young adults come, so It's, like, flooded with people. Yep. It's a very big part of the hippie movement. Yep. Free love. Tons drugs. of drugs. Yes, such as mm-hmm. LSD being brought in. Yep. All this kind of stuff. So, like I said, Charles Manson and his followers were running around as well. Mm. And it was just right before the serial killer boom if you will. Yeah, boom. <laughs> so, this brings us to December of 68 and it was a Friday night on December 20th. And Stella Borges and her daughter were leaving her house on Lake Herman Road to go get I it I will say that I was kind of confused on when they like said these people In some articles, it was saying that Stella was going to get her son. But Mm -hmm. then others were saying it was Stella's grandson, meaning it was baby Stella, her daughter's son. Son. Okay, But anyways, it doesn't matter. They were going to get somebody from town, which is Benicia, California. And this was around 11.10 p.m. Mm -hmm. Now, Lake Herman Road is... Very, very desolate. Mm -hmm. Very hilly. Not very many people live on this road. And the turnout that we're going to talk about was um, at a water pumping station. And this gate entrance wasn't even being used. Like, they had it locked. Gotcha. There just wasn't a lot going on. And... It was midnight, too, so it's almost right. midnight. There's no lights. There's not even lights there now, so there definitely wasn't right. in 68. Yeah. It's pitch black. You can imagine some places around here. drive at night. Right, but I'm trying but to paint you a good stark. picture because it blows my mind to hear, like, Elaine and Ash talk about, they're like, oh, we went out there and it was, like, dark. like really, Like, I didn't know it was, like, that dark, and I'm like, you walk out of anybody's house in South Georgia and it, it is looks dark. like that. It is dark. Yeah. But we live everywhere. in a different place. Right. So I can't imagine. Like Atlanta.
1: Yeah. And like Columbus. real dark. Thing.
0: I'd have to temple my windows, man. Oh, yeah. I got to sleep in the dark. Like, it sucks living in the city. Okay, my little city. Right. Because there's right. a street light right outside my house. Yep. <laughs> but seriously, I go weird. in, like, my backyard and I'm scared. Yeah. Anyways. That's a big backyard too. And the with the the little shed and everything. Yeah, I'll be scar I'll be out there too. Crackheads hiding out. Surprise! Surprise, Shorty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the three legged dog yeah. running running, you seen him? Uh uh-uh. uh. He's yeah. creepy? No, he looks sweet, but I still don't want him running at me at night. Uh-uh. You know, with the three legs. legs. Stop that. Quit playing. Mm-hmm. So Stella and her daughter were on the way to town, like I said, driving down Lake Herman Road when they were approaching a curve that they had to slow down for. Mm -hmm. Now, this is the curve that was, the turnout was on. Yeah. That the, you know, water pumping station, this turned into a lover's lane, this turnout did, Uh because it was locked all the time. Right. And a ton of high school kids, of course, would come, you know, do their thing. Yes, that's right. What they Whatever. did in the sixties. Right. 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 And so you don't hear about lover's lanes. Well, this is probably why. These days. Okay. Okay. I mean, you ask me, like, what happens to these kids? I, I wouldn't I wouldn't huh? be going um, on their lover's line, no lover's lane, that's for sure. Mm-mm. So They're going around this curve, and they're having to slow down. Well, while they're slowing down to go around the curve, the lights are shining on the turnout. And she sees a car with headlights on, and then there was two bodies laying on the gravel. So she panics, of course, and yeah. races as fast as she could to Benicia. The entire time she was honking her horn, trying to get what? anybody's she got attention, out of there and did not try to investigate. Oh, yeah! Like she is, she's going fast. She eventually ran into Captain Daniel Pita mm-hmm. and Officer William T Warner. And reporting what she had seen. You know, there's a car out there. There's two bodies. Nice. She did mention that there were no other cars going in either direction. Mm. And that's important later on. Yeah. And mm-hmm. she, according to ZodiacCiphers.com, she discovered the bodies around 11.20 p.m. And Captain Peta said he was on scene at 11.28 now, a couple of the other books I read said that she ran into the cops around 11.20, but it all lines up around right. the same area. That's right. To me, it's about 11, 11.20, 11.30 yep. when they get on scene. Yep. Um. And sh- we, we're going to back up just a hair and talk about another detective. Um. Detective. 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 <sighs> detective. Pierre Mm Badeau, him and his partner were actually going to serve a search warrant at a cottage on Lake Herman Road, Mm -hmm. or at Lake Herman, um, excuse me, and you had to drive right past this turnout. So, these two cops are driving past this turnout. Right. And they had what they considered a huge drug bust back in the 60s, and I told you it was like a pound and a half of marijuana, which That's is right. nothing That's right. in, like, today's, like, time <laughs> right. at all. Yep. Um, so, Detective Badeau said, quote, as we drove by the turnout back to the station, we didn't see or observe anybody in that area. There's mm-hmm. a turn there, and your headlights shine right in there as you go by, end quote. So, as they're turning into the station, a call goes out about a possible shooting on Lake Kerman Road near the pumping station. And they turn around and go right back to where they, so just, they passed just passed by. So, they just passed. That's what I'm saying. The time frame is very, very small. So, yeah. that's a big thing to know is how fast the Zodiac Killer is. Like, he is fast. I put into maps how far the police department was from the crime right. scene. And it was only like eight to nine minutes. Today's time. Yeah, it was approximately eight to ten minutes. Mm -hmm. So this happened in a very quick time frame. Yeah. Another thing to note is that the Zodiac had obviously, like I said, had to arrive after they passed by there. Yeah. And the teens, too, if he didn't see anybody. Right. Huh. So, they, uh, and I'll get into that a little later because I think that kind of is debated how long the teens were actually there. Right. But if Detective Bedo says he passed by there and it only took them 10 minutes to get back to the station, unless they were lollygagging. But, I mean, you would think, like, I wouldn't assume he was driving a vehicle. Like, I would think that he's lurking. Like, he knows where the lover's lane is, and he's, like, hiding out. So, as soon as they get there, he's, like, get out of the car. Bam, bam. Well, we'll get into that. He was definitely driving a vehicle. Oh, okay. So, back on scene, police found a two-toned rambler with the ignition on, and the passenger side door open. There were two victims there, like Stella had reported. The boy was later identified as David Faraday, and when they... Came on scene, found him. He was actually still alive. It was around 22 Ooh. degrees that night, and one of the detectives said that when he arrived on scene, he could actually see David's breath. So, he was definitely still alive. He was lying face up with a wound around his left ear from a close-range gunshot. It's left ear? Mm-hmm. Uh. Now... There was also a girl identified as Betty Lou Jensen found a little further away from the car. It was assumed how she was laying that she tried running away. Mm -hmm. And um, Betty Lou was covered with a blanket and Officer Warner made a chalk outline of David and then they rushed him to the hospital. Yeah. She was already dead, but since he was alive, they tried to work on him. He was DOA at 12.05 a.m. On dead on arrival. That's what that means. JIC. You didn't know. JIC. Just, just in, in case. case. That's my... Mm-hmm. Well, okay. We're picking... I'm picking it up. Okay. But this was on December 21st, just a few days before Christmas. Again. Heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. Now, there were ten bullet casings found at the scene. A bullet actually went through the roof of the vehicle and the back window. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. Mm-hmm. And all the doors on the car besides the passenger door was locked and closed. Now, before we go too deep into the investigation, the scene, and all that, yep, we're going to talk about the victims because... Yeah. It is kind of... It's not hard, but I think it's easy, actually, to get lost in the Zodiac Killer himself. Yep. Um, And everything that he forget does. Forget about the... And we don't mm-hmm. want to forget the victims. We never want to forget the victims. Exactly. They so, deserve. Yeah. Exactly. Way so, more than he does. We are going to first start with David... Arthur Faraday, who was 17 years old. He was described as an all-American guy. He was a Boy Scout, scholarly, varsity athlete. He was kind, well-liked, handsome dude, very involved in the church, which is where he actually met Betty Lou Jensen at, mm-hmm. who was only 16. She was popular. She had tons of friends. She was a really talented artist, hardworking, and studious. Um... So, they actually went to different schools, and a lot of people that I read about that were friends with these two noted that David would come just, I guess, just about every day and visit her since they had met on his lunch breaker, I guess, after school. Crushing hard. He was, and he was being a very nice gentleman. So, they had... Their first official date together on Friday, December 20th. Now, earlier that day was the last day of school for Betty Lou and a friend, Lorraine DeGro, who remembered walking home with her after a rally they had at school. And she remembered Betty Lou saying, okay, I'll see you next year because school wouldn't be back in until after the new year. Right. After Christmas break. So, around 5 p.m., Betty Lou and David were seen with friends, and by 6 p.m., David was leaving to get ready and take his sister somewhere. He was just doing, you know, a few chores or whatever before he was able to go out on his date. He ended up wearing a light blue long sleeve shirt, brown corduroy pants, and tan low-cut boots. I'm going to buy Will a pair of corduroy pants. Why don't men wear corduroy anymore? I don't know. I mean, it's great. Do you like? I love corduroy. I love corduroy. I'm dressing corduroy head to toe. I don't even care. Me too. Okay, let's do it together. Okay. I want some beige corduroy pants. Ooh. Flares. We'll be looking. then. I'll do flares. I'll do skinnies. See, do I like bill bottoms. Yeah, I've been there, done that, and I don't want to go back. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. Anyways, so. He left his house around 7.30 p.m. to head to pick up Betty Lou. She ended up wearing a purple dress with a white collar. And on that collar was a Christmas bell brooch. Love a brooch. That's so nice. She also was wearing black T-strap shoes. Now, not only was this her first date with David, but this was her first date ever. And, of course, one of the stipulations was her parents meeting David before they went out. That's right. And so he arrived at her house, and around 8 p.m. they were finally introduced. Hmm. She told her parents they were going to be going to a party after the concert at school, and Betty Lou kissed her father goodbye and promised to be home by 11 p.m. And it goes without saying that Betty Lou did not return home by 11 or even at all. Now, allegedly, there was no concert, so the couple actually went to talk with a friend named Sharon and left her house by nine, and they went to a local drive-in, got a Coke, and according to Robert Gray Smith's book, I read The Zodiac, which eh, we'll get into in a minute about that, too. Well, uh, yeah, but there's just some things I'll have to tell you about it. David was pulling into the turn around 10, 15 p.m. Now this is I'm just not sure about that timeline. Yeah, cuz we know that the the cops that were serving the warrant drove by so it says one they dro- yeah, they drove by leaving, yep, and headed back to the station and by the time they got to the station and t- by the time they were got it, get, got into the station That call came out. So that means Stella had already found the bodies and reported it to a police officer. So we're talking about a a tiny amount of time. Yeah. Tiny. Ten ten minutes. Yeah. So David and Betty Lou are parked on a turnout on Lake Herman Road, probably stargazing, getting to know each other, you know. Uh, when a car pulled up beside them and of course no one truly knows what happened that night but we can assume from the autopsy reports the crime scene analysis and the unsub profile what happened so it is believed that the zodiac killer pulled up beside the couple ordered them out of the vehicle or because there were two bullet holes found in the car right he might have fired two warning shots and the couple escaped out the passenger side or said, get out of the car. They didn't move. So he fired the shots. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. That's going to happen too. Yeah. So either way, he fires the warning shots into the vehicle with a 22 pistol. Um, And it was thought to either be a JC Model 80 or a high-standard Model 101 with Super X copper-coated long rifle ammunition. Okay. Yeah. Take your word for it. Yeah. Okay. We don't know anything about bullets. No, we don't. It was a pistol pistol case thing. Okay. Okay. So. There you go. Next, it is believed that Betty Lou exited out the passenger side, followed by David, who we know was shot beneath his left ear. Now it says that was causing fatal brain damage, and he would have collapsed instantaneously. But Detective Benoit said he was on scene and saw him breathing. So that doesn't mean that he was dead, but he also. Right, Hmm. right. So, he wouldn't have been, he wouldn't have come come back to life or or been able to live his life like he started the night out. Right. He would have had damage and, yeah. So, that correlates with him being found perpendicular to the rear tire. Now, Betty Lou was found a little further away from the scene, and common sense tells you that she probably ran after seeing David get shot in the head. Yes. So, she's running for her life, and unfortunately is shot five times in the right side of her back before she falls onto the ground with her head facing the rear bumper. And then, of course, the, you know, women drive by, the teens are discovered, and police get on scene when they do their initial investigation, there was no indication there was a robbery or any sexual assault either. Right. Which is a big deal, in my opinion, because some one of the primary suspects that police believed was the Zodiac Killer, I mean, he had a molestation charge, so... Right. He wouldn't have just... I, he would have molested the girl, I would Right. Assume. Like, doesn't seem like there's a very clear he, motive Exactly. Here. Yeah, there's not. He's just going out there and killing. That's, like... That's really difficult to wrap your head around. Well, exactly. So, police for police, too, I'm sure. And that's why they kept saying, like, it's hard to just... Like... I don't know. Yeah. Like, he's just going out there and killing just random people. Yeah. So... I'm anxious to see if there's a pattern, like, to the type of people he kills, or, let's well, just got that look. Ah, I just have so many words to say. I don't want to jump ahead of myself, do though. It. So, I, I just wanted to point out that this man, mm-hmm. whoever it was, shot a moving target in the same general area five times in the middle of the night. Yeah. Dark. We already established that. No streetlights. Mm-hmm. This guy was trained in something. I, yeah, I think he, I mean, you know, target practice, police, something, something, something. So, before the Zodiac drove up, there was apparently a handful of cars that say they saw the, the car or was near the area that night. Mm-hmm. There also might have been an earlier attempt that night at the same Lover's Lane turnout. Oh, only about an hour to an hour and a half earlier, William Crow and his girlfriend were out driving in, his, in her new car when they pulled off onto the turnout that David Faraday and Betty Lou Jensen would later be gunned down at. They watched as a car drove past them, leaving Benicia. Mm-hmm. After passing the turnout, the car braked sharply and started backing up towards them. William, thinking quickly and knowing something seemed off, he drove off towards town, but this car followed him, almost touching his rear bumper like Whoa, he was close. That is ter- the thought of that is terrifying to me. I know. When they got towards the turnoff road to go towards Benicia, William turned off, but the car continued going straight. William believed there might have been two white males in the car, and the oh. car was a blue Valiant, but that description changed throughout different interviews. And I didn't actually read this in any other source besides Grace Smith's oh. book. So, police, I don't know if they contribute this to the Zodiac or not. It blue could have been. It Valiant. could not have been. I don't know what Valiant is. So I'll have to look it up. I don't know what it is either. Okay. You know, I don't know about cars. Old cars, too. Yeah. So. Homer and Peggy Yore were passing by the turnout in the pumping station around 11 p.m. And as they were passing, like I said, going on the curve, your lights sweep that area. Right. And when, you, when the Yore's lights did sweep that area, they saw David at the wheel and Betty Lou laying her head on his shoulder. Mm-hmm. Another driver might have seen the car the Zodiac was in, and the eyewitness was James Owen. He was going to his graveyard shift at his job when he was passing the turnout approximately 11.14 p.m. Okay. So, we got witnesses. Yes. At least sort of. Their car there. Yes. Yeah. So, so, the first statement that James gives police is on December 21st, only nine hours after the murder. And James told police when he passed the turnout, he saw the two cars side-by-side side, approximately 10 feet apart, and the car parked closest to the entrance of the pumping station, he described as a boxy, neutral, and color station wagon type, which is what David's vehicle was. Uh The other vehicle, he couldn't remember the make, model, or color of the vehicle. Now, in statement number two that was given on the 24th, this time, he added a few details that he didn't mention in his interview with police before. Okay. James said he definitely saw two cars, but did not see any people in or around the vehicles. And this time, he said the cars were only parked about three to four feet apart. Mm-hmm. He then claimed as he drove by, he got about a quarter of a mile or 30 seconds past the turnout, and he thought he heard a gunshot, but his music in the car was so loud, he wasn't sure. Mm-hmm. So, his story varies slightly as well, and both seem to give more details further into the investigation, more than likely to help. But I'm not sure if all the details are true, especially because he didn't tell them in his first interview. I mean, maybe right. he forgot, but or I feel like if he, he was you... nervous and, yeah. But I feel like if you heard a gunshot, you wouldn't forget that. Well, right, and... I don't know. I mean, if he was close, a gunshot's not going to sound like any music you're playing on your radio. What? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Well, now that we're basically caught up and back on scene, we've got a little backstory, you know. Yep. The Night of the Murders, photographer Tom Balmer, who was working with the Fairfield Daily Republic, he arrived on scene along with police. Mm-hmm. Now, Balmer later said in the podcast, Monster the Zodiac Killer, BTW, this is Monster, a good podcast, great podcast. What's it, it called? Uh, they have different different seasons, so they oh, have I like see. Monster, DC Killer, Monster, Zodiac Killer, they oh, have okay. Monster, Atlanta Child Murders. And um, the host is Payne Lindsay who did the Up oh, Advantage stuff. podcast. Yeah. And you know, like, I love him. He's the first True yep. Crime podcast I ever listened to. So, I listened to Monster, the Zodiac Killer. And that Balmer says in this podcast that the original dispatch that went out was a murder-suicide. Oh. They thought the victims were an adult and a child. Ooh. They said Betty Lou was so small they had initially Aww. thought that she was a kid. She was dying. Yeah, and on the episode of the podcast, Balmer said back when photographers could hear dispatch from police fire that they would follow the news. Like they could hear the dispatch and they would just go wherever yep. the news was. Yep. When Balmer got on scene, David was en route to the hospital and Betty Lou was laying under the blanket on the ground. He actually t- takes shots of the investigators. Lifting the blanket up and looking at her under the blanket. Okay. The paper ran those photos the next day. Stop it! I like you can Yeah, you can't, yeah, you can't see that. her, but you you know what they're doing. Oh, I hate that. Yeah, I hate it. So around eleven thirty p.m., Captain Peta. Called the Coroner Dan Horan. And since the turnout was in the Solano County Sheriff's Department's jurisdiction, he had to notify that department as well. Yep. So Deputy Russell Butterbach was on scene. <laughs> what a great I knew you were gonna say something about his name. I love it. So he you're just right. call me Mrs. Butterbach from here on out. Okay. You look like a Butterbock. <laughs> Not sure that That means, that, means what? that I can see that you being your name like you're that goofy. Okay. I'm not saying I say that's a goofy, like goofy name, but I just no, feel like it's, it's funny. You. I it's feel like silly. it's you. It's me. I, you get me, you know? You just you, you get me. So, I do. This is Butterwick. Thank you. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. So, he arrived on scene around 11:52 p.m. one source stated, and it says that he was assigned to assist on the case with Detective Sergeant Lundblad. Horan and Dr. Byron Sanford were also on scene by midnight. Now Horan was the coroner, and he brought a doctor along. And Dr. Sanford pronounced Betty Lou dead on scene and ordered an autopsy. But before they could move her body, they had to snap pictures of her in every angle they could. Unfortunately, Can you that's imagine probably being the human that has to do that. that that's has to take what I was about promising. Photos, all this Yikes! I wouldn't want to. No, that's all I would see when I close my eyes, or pictures of that. God bless you all. If yeah, you didn't do that. that's hard, hard right hardcore right there. Hardcore. Yes. Um, Detective Lundblad sketched the scene using only a flashlight and the floodlights they had set up, and he ordered Deputy Butterbach and Waterman to go to the hospital and get a statement from David. Mm. When they arrived at twelve twenty-three, they were notified that he was dead. fast. Yep. They started the investigation like any other regular investigation, because they had no idea who this was at the time. Right. Like, we know it's the Zodiac, but he hasn't been named. Right. We have, they have no, like, any idea. I'm sure these kids didn't have enemies. Right. You know? Like, they're, you know. I'm sure they weren't involved in any illegal, you know, shenanigans. Right. And there's no other killings that the police know about that they can link to him. Yep. There's no letters that have been sent in yet. Yes. So, mm-hmm. yeah, there's a lot that hasn't happened. Yep. Another thing to note that in 68, right before the serial craze in the 70s and 80s, so the term serial killer was wouldn't even be coined for another six-ish years. They didn't even know what a serial killer was. That's crazy to me, too. We've known it our whole lives. Oh, right? yeah, you say serial killer. Yeah, I can give you uh, that definition okay. real quick and fast. Yeah. But they didn't even have that name. Like they had no, like this was a, they have no idea what's going on. And I, I think I might mention it later on that police were trying to, and I don't remember if it was this case or another one, but I think it might've been this one saying that they were, It was like a drug deal gone wrong or something. The police were assuming it was that. Well, I'm sure they... Yeah. And her friends were like, no, she didn't do drugs. Right. These Uh, are church church folks here. Yeah. So, there was one boy who police looked at because he said... He was into Betty Lou and apparently had made some oh. threatening comments when he found out she was dating some other boy. Yeah. But he would eventually be cleared. And other than that, police have no motive and no suspects. So, yeah. their case went cold. Um, they really had nothing else to go on until July 4th of 1969. Okay, so is this... uh, We were in 68... This is about six months after the murders. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, so this is about six months after the murder at Lake Herman Road, and actually it was only a few miles away from the crime scene. Okay. Now, you have to actually drive down or pass Lake Herman Road to get to Blue Rock Springs, which is where this next thing happens at. Mm Mm-hmm. Now... Darlene Farron was a 22-year-old waitress in a local diner. She was married. It was actually her second marriage. And she had just become a mother to a daughter named Dina. Hmm. She was very popular. Many people knew her because of her job. And they liked her. She was very, like, outgoing. Yep. She was said to have been gorgeous and had very, very many male admirers or Mm -hmm. friends. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, the night of July 4th, she was actually out with one of those friends, 19-year-old Michael Majot. He had actually met her at the diner where she worked, and as it pointed out in some of the sources, this was a friendship she carried on outside of work hours. Mm-hmm. Now, this so is a really... Like a lover? Well, that's the thing. This is a quick... Side note, but okay. I found very many sources on her relationship with the guy that she was with that night yep. saying it was her boyfriend. And yeah. it said da- Darlene did like to have fun sometimes and was also said to have fun. more boyfriends on the okay. side. Michael yeah. could have been one of those. She was still married to a man named Dean regardless. Was, that, was, was Dean the baby's daddy? Her baby's yes. Daddy. Okay. I believe. I would assume so. There's nothing yes. wrong. I mean, you know, live your life. Yes. Darlene, do you by judging over be you? Well, Dean, uh oh uh, well, he was actually working the night of July 4th. And so she went by the restaurant to tell him that she was gonna go out for a few minutes, buy fireworks, and she wanted him to come home. They were gonna shoot fireworks That's and true. drink together. Mm-hmm. He closed the shop up early, and when he got home, Darlene wasn't home yet, and the babysitter was still there. Back then, there were no phones, of course, so Dean said he just sat around and waited for Darlene to come home. Yep. Approximately 45 minutes later, police show up at his door and take him to the station to ask where he had been. When they verify his alibi of working, they tell him that Darlene had been passed. Oh, or had passed away. Oh. So, you know how we do this thing we're we'll going to have to back it up a little bit and tell you what the hell actually happened. Yep. This was something that... Put it in reverse. Yeah. Put it in reverse, Terry. So, this was something that varied a lot within my source material, Mm -hmm. um, was how or why Darlene and Michael were together, but all I know is she did pick him up, and I am assuming that after they stopped at the restaurant to see her husband, they ended up near the Lover's Lane that was an empty parking lot in Blue Rock Springs, in Valahoe. Mm -hmm. This was only a mere seven minutes from the Lake Herman Road crime scene. And I could not find in any source anything about this, but only one interview with Darlene's sister. She said she was out there and believed to have just left before the Zodiac showed up. Oh. Pam said, quote, I was there in the parking lot just leaving when the car drove up behind her. The, she says, police car okay, passed me. Going in as we were going out. We heard the pop pop, but thought it was fireworks. A police car? Like, I wonder if it had lights on top or, like, what made her think Me too. that it was a police car. Because if somebody's in, trying to impersonate a police officer, they could just, especially back then, I imagine, put lights on top of their car. And, yeah. you know, they'd be a police car. Right. Well, and another one of the books I read... um, The most dangerous animal of all by Gary Stewart. He Mm -hmm. mentions that a group of teens that were out in the parking lot. So I'm going to assume that Pam was among that group, possibly. Uh Maybe yes. Apparently, they were actually trying to get away from someone and thought they were being followed. Okay. The car had a similar body to the Corvair that they were driving in, and it was Corvair. Okay. Old. I don't know. Yeah, well, I'm looking up the cars. And it's, okay. Not right now, but... Later. I can tell. A little bit later. I'm getting stuck on them. Sorry. Um. So, in Grace Smith's book, Zodiac, he insinuated that Darlene and Michael were actually being herded towards the lover's lane they ended up in. Now, I don't know if that's necessarily true, but that's what he he says. That's what he believes. Oh, it's like that. They actually do make it to the parking lot and thought they lost the other car. Now, briefly mentioned in Stewart's book, he said the man was indeed following them, but didn't necessarily say the couple knew they were being followed. So, I'm just... It's differing in different sources, like, whether they knew they were being followed or not. That's right. Um... But, either way, the couple was sitting in her brown Corvair with the music playing with the motor off when the car caught up with them and pulled into the parking lot. The driver of the car parked about six to eight feet away from them and turned the vehicle off. Mike thought that this was a 58 or 59 Falcon with old California license plates and knew it was a man driving alone in the car, it seemed like. hmm Sounds like I don't know. Well, if he was, if they thought somebody was following them, I just don't see them parking and cutting the car. Off. Right, so I'm you kind know? of going to lean That's what, towards yeah. that he might have been following them, but I don't know if they did. Yeah, maybe they didn't. Yeah. But, this car pulls in behind him or whatever, you know, and he sits there for only about a minute before he abruptly turns around and leaves. Oh. Now, that sounds like a little like William Crowe's experience with the mystery driver before the first Zodiac murder, if you ask me. uh huh. Agreed. This car returns only a few minutes later and parked behind Darlene and Mike. Mike actually thought that this car behind him was the way a police officer or a state patrolman would pull uh-huh. behind you if they pulled you over. Yep. The man driving this car exited and walked towards their vehicle with a light, later described as a heavy-duty flashlight, with a handle. He arrived at the window and shined the light into Mike's eyes. Mm. Without warning, the man held up a 9mm pistol and shot multiple rounds inside the vehicle. So Bullet- just like that, didn't say a word. Yeah, exactly. Uh. Bullets entered through the passenger side, injuring both Michael and Darlene. In one source, it said Michael managed to throw himself into the backseat, probably out of fear or to avoid being shot anymore. And there were actually some bullets that were said to have passed through Mike and hit Darlene. What? Yes. So, these are probably, I mean, pretty hardcore bullets. And he's, I mean, possible. he's like, right here. Oh, wait. She was slumped over the steering wheel. The shooter started to retreat to his own car with his head down, but heard Mike cry out in pain and stopped with the car door open. The light from the interior of the car showed on the shooter's face, and Mike saw a man with a large face who was apparently not wearing glasses, which is important, Okay, I would think. Okay. He thought the man was, his, was in his late 20s or early 30s and was said to have light brown curly hair and a military crew cut style. He was a beefier, stocky fellow. who, he, Well, yeah. and Estimated to be about 5'8 or so. Husky. He was husky. Yeah. So, yeah. the shooter turned around and started back towards the car. He leaned in through the open window and shot the pair a few more times. After the second shots were fired, the shooter got back in his car and raced away as fast as he could, leaving only dust behind him. Now, even though he was badly wounded, Mike seemed to crawl back over the front seat and open the passenger door where he fell onto the concrete. One of his injuries was far from a bullet, was from a bullet that entered from his right cheek and exited out the left. (gasps) That bullet ripped a hole into his jaw and his tongue. (sighs) He tried his hardest to call for help, but he was only gurgling blood. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine so. He heard Darling moaning from the front seat, but there was nothing that he was able (sighs) to do. Luckily, around this time, there was someone actually awake. Around 800 yards away from Mm -hmm. Darlene and Mike Mm -hmm. was a house. And this house belonged to the Blue Rock Springs Golf Course caretaker and his 22-year-old son, George Bryant. George was actually awake around midnight because he couldn't sleep, and he heard the gunshots go off. Did he get up to investigate? He heard a pause. More gunshots, and then mm. heard a car drive off at a super speed and burn rubber. Okay. Also, there were three teenagers that had pulled in afterwards looking for a friend when they passed by the Corvair mm. and they heard a muffled scream. Mm. Upon further investigating, they found Mike on the ground, and he was able to sort of tell them that he had been shot, and there was a girl in the car who had been shot as so well. So, Mike is still alive. Yes. After the perpetrator has left. Yes. Okay. He's fighting. He survives? Question mark? Am I jumping ahead? You're jumping ahead. Sorry. Sorry. Jumping ahead. Sorry. Sorry. The teens raced back to one of their houses to call the police, because, you know, right. 69, you don't have cell phones. Right. Right. There were part. They were also about <laughs> There were also more calls about hearing gunshots at Blue Rock Springs as well. So Detective Sergeant John Lynch and his partner Ed Russ received the call while they were out in Plain Street, clothes driving around. Uh-huh. In Gray Smith's book, Lynch supposedly said. That there were actually received the call and kind of moped around about it because it was just kids shooting off firecrackers. He said he Uh. felt bad about it later on because if they had rolled on it, they would have passed by the shooter and the car. Mm. Now, I say supposedly because this is one of the things I'll say about Grace Smith's book. Which book was this now? This monster. No, Zodiac. Okay. It's just called Zodiac. Zodiac. Okay. Robert Graysmith wrote it. And when it came out, it was very, very popular. But people later came out and said, like, oh, Graysmith said, like, has these quotes in here about me. But I never even talked to the See? man. To make the book better. Yeah. yeah. So, I don't know if he really said that, but I'm just going to throw it in there. That's good. We yeah. need to know. When they did get on scene, though, they were met by Officer Richard Hoffman and Sergeant Conway. And they were the first ones on scene. Right. They were trying to question Mike, so Detective Lynch called for an ambulance. He could tell that he was badly wounded and injured in multiple spots. They noted Mike was wearing three pair of pants, three sweaters, a long-sleeved button shirt, and a T-shirt. Oh, so, in July. Okay. Doing a little shoplifting, perhaps. No. no. No, 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 no. Shoplifting. I'm just saying, you know, you know. Lynch and Rust also recognized Darlene as soon as they saw her. She apparently had a reputation for dating officers. Okay. When they got close to the car, she opened her eyes slightly. Detective Lynch later said... That when they actually got there, they didn't think Darlene was was as badly wounded as she was. They were actually more worried about Mike because he seemed like he was in more worse condition, and he had clear wounds all over his body. They could like, see his like, wounds. Yeah, yeah. So they weren't really like wor- they were worried about Darlene, but they they just thought Mike was in worse shape, right? Detective Lynch went over to the driver's side where Darlene was trying to say something to him, but he couldn't understand her. It was like, I or my, but she couldn't get it out. He realized her pulse was weak and her breathing was shallow, so he got her out of the vehicle and laid her on the ground. When the ambulance arrived, Mike and Darlene were put into the vehicle and Officer Hoffman accompanied them to the hospital. Detective Lynch and Sergeant Russ stayed back to check out the crime scene. And during this, Officer Hoffman radioed back and said Darlene was pronounced dead on arrival at 12.38 a.m. Exactly two minutes later, Valho PD switchboard operator Nancy Slover received a call. Quote, I want to report a double murder. If you will go one mile east on Columbus Parkway, you will find kids in a brown car. They were shot with a 9mm lugger. I also killed those kids last year. Goodbye. Uh uh-uh. uh Luger. I don't know. Not million really Luger. Anyways. I know Ruger, but I don't know anything about the Luger. Okay. Anyways, Nancy said that she tried asking more questions, but the caller they talked over okay. her and then hung up the phone. Yes, when he got done, when he was saying what he needed to say, she uh. said it seemed like the caller had his statement either written down or was reading it because it was so rehearsed. Yeah. Later, this call was traced back to Joe's Union Station at. Public phone, pay phone? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, Tulmon and Springs Road. Okay. This is a phone booth located right in front of the Vallejo Sheriff's office, apparently. Oh. And Gray Smith's book he claimed that you could see the Farren's home from the booth. But Dean later said that was untrue, that the it was like a couple blocks away, so Gray Smith was but also from in front of the sheriff's office. Crazy. Okay was a good time like i said that i was going to mention that like gray smith's book was very popular when it came out but it was very controversial when did it come out in the 80s okay. like 84 i do like i still want to reference his book because gray smith was working at the newspaper when all of these uh-huh. letters were coming in yep. and stuff so he had a right he was there for the case yeah Of course, one of the first things they do after finding the victims is identifying them and speaking with the family. Yep. Like I said in the beginning, police went to the fair and home. Dean and his boss, Bill Lee, were down at the station to answer some questions that night. They did eventually clear Dean of any wrongdoing and realized during his interview that he was in denial about his wife's extracurricular activities outside of the marriage, if you will. Mm. He did not want to believe she had boyfriends or, you know, I mean, was... who would, Exactly. Right. right. So... Especially now that she's gone. You want to... Yeah. Uh. Dean said that she was just young and needed to get it out of her system. Well, Bill also told police about a guy, the book called him Paul, who Dean sold a truck to, but Paul confirmed to try and get Darlene to go out with him. She rejected him multiple times, and Paul became mean and bitter about it. Bill said he didn't think he had ever met him. He didn't know where he lived, but he had heard he was a bartender. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, after after letting the two men go, they went on to question some of Darlene's friends and co-workers. They all recalled a short, stocky man with black hair who kept trying to date Darlene, and he would get uptight when she rejected him. Okay. They didn't know his last name, but they knew he was a bartender, and his first name was Paul. So, after all these interviews that night, they were kind of focused on Paul. He yep. seemed to have a motive. He saw her going out with all these different guys, and she wouldn't really we'll give him go. the time of day. Yeah, right. Yeah. And around 3.30 that morning, Darlene was taken to Twin Chapels, a funeral home in Vallejo, and photos were taken of her body. Mm. At 8.25 a.m., Mike went back for surgery because, remember, he's still alive. That's right. Yeah. He's still alive after the attack. It was emergency surgery to repair all of the injuries he sustained. They had to wire his jaw and put three metal pins into his left leg and then cover that with a full cast. (gasps) The jaw, I forgot. He got shot through his cheek and out the other cheek and hit his tongue. Yeah. Oh, it makes me hurt. Yes. makes me hurt. He still wasn't able to speak without pain due to the tongue injury. right. After surgery, though, Mike was able to be officially interviewed about the incident Good. Now, what I read in Gray Smith's book, Mike also apparently spoke with other people about the incident and gave additional information. Sue Ayers, a legal secretary, spoke with him while he was in the hospital and allegedly Mike told her that Darlene had an argument with another man that night while they were in the car. And the stranger followed them to Blue Rock Springs, where the argument continued. Possibly the bartender. Mm, possibly okay. uh-huh. that man was the one who shot them. Now he also told her that they were being followed at least from the time they had left his house. And in later in interviews, he changed the color of the to a light tan Chevy. Okay. Pam, Darlene's sister, said Mike told her at the hospital that the guy that shot them was calling Darlene D, which is a nickname only her friends and close acquaintances knew and called her. Okay. So Mike thought the shooter knew her, even though when they were parked, he asked Darlene who it was and she said she didn't know him. Right. So he still believed that she did. She did. When Mike was finally able to be released, he moved into a tiny apartment, dyed his hair red, and his father would take him back and forth to the hospital for treatments. Later, he actually ended up moving in with his mom in Southern California. His appearance changed, him hiding out, and eventually skipping town led to people thinking Darlene did in fact know her attacker and Mike might have too and was scared of getting sought out well, to wouldn't finish the Wouldn't you be job. scared, period. Well that's what I was about to not. say. Exactly. I would be I wouldn't want to I would have moved almost immediately because he's coming after you regardless, man. Right. That's what I would have thought. Agreed. But playing well, devil's advocate here, like you said, Mike didn't necessarily need to know his height or, or his attack for him to want to leave. Right. So that's like super mm-hmm. normal. Yeah. Okay. Also, one more fact about Mike before we continue on is Detective Lynch said in the Graysmith book that he had figured out why Mike was wearing all the clothing that he was on 4th of July. Uh Mike told him he was embarrassed about being so small, so he wore more clothing to look bigger. Okay, my husband used to do that when he was little. He was tiny, like so tiny. Like the kid, like Owen. Really? tiny Owen is. And he would wear double jeans. Like double pants and shirts. So he wasn't uh shoplifting. No, 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 no. <laughs> he wasn't. But isn't that sad? He's really tiny. Yeah. yeah. Will was it bothered him so because he was so small. So yeah, that's what it. he was doing. Okay. We get it now. Yep. Later the police asked Dean and Darlene's sitters to come and sit down for an interview. The sitters were two younger girls. One was named Janet. That was apparently Darlene's friend's daughter. Mm -hmm. And her friend Pamela, too. Now, when Dean had gotten home that night and walked in, he didn't even know who they were. That this was their first time ever watching Dina. During Janet's interview, she said the police were pushing it. It seemed to me that they were leading, trying to get her, you know, to say stuff about the... uh Uh-huh. If that happened. What happened, right. We know, especially back then. Yeah, she said Detective Lynch made the statement, Darlene made it home around 11, and Janet corrected him saying no, she didn't see her until around 11.30 to 11.35. Mm-hmm. She said they continuously told them it was later than 11, but the police did not mm-hmm. bother writing it down. They were set on it being 11 o'clock. Huh. that? Yes. I'm not really sure. And Janet said in this book, quote, she didn't even leave till almost midnight and she was murdered five minutes later. How Mm -hmm. could she get out there in five minutes? And she picked somebody else up too. We thought it was important. You can't get all the way out there that quick. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, because the police notes it was reported she was murdered a little after midnight. So that's why they were pushing for... Yeah, but, but why? Did they have somebody they liked for the crime and that timeline would line up with? So, I don't know. But Mm -hmm. I do know that Janet has a point because I Google mapped this area. And today it says it would take about 11 minutes to get from Darlene's House to Blue Rock Springs Golf Club. Uh That's about six miles apart. Like Janet said, though, Darlene went and picked Mike up in between her house and the parking lot. So, so she didn't go straight there. Exactly, huh? And even if she left at twelve and was reported, like that they were at the scene being shot, like five minutes later, she still couldn't even make it out there that right. quick. So some 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 mess there, right? For sure. Now, in Stewart's book, Pam later states that Darlene was concerned about another guy that she had been seeing because he would show up to her house without invitation. And she later recalled his name being something short like Lee or Stan. Darlene's other sister, Linda, said, according to police reports, that Darlene had a man that would bring her gifts from Mexico and his name was Lee. Now I wanted to point out that Grace Smith's, Grace Smith's <laughs> that Grace Smith's book never mentioned Lee and Stewart's book never mentioned Paul. So okay. I think that each book were only mentioning info that could help build their case against who they believe the Zodiac uh-huh. killer was or That's maybe right. they're the same person. I'm not really sure but they had two different names for them and they were kind of different. So okay. I'm just not really sure, you know. So I just wanted to state the facts about it all. That's good. Detective Lynch does contact Detective Lundblad from the Lake Herman Road murders to compare notes from the murder and crime scenes. Mm -hmm. They decided that the phone call that was received was not a ruse. Okay. Detective Lundblad did speak with press and acknowledge the similarities between the cases, but he did not mention the case or go into detail on what they had as evidence or if they had any suspects. Mm -hmm. A Vallejo police officer that Darlene had dated in the past was questioned about his involvement in the crime, but he was cleared. Mm -hmm. About a week after the shooting, Detective Lynch started narrowing his searches down on Paul the bartender, and Lynch found that Darlene was supposedly afraid of Paul and was only friendly to him out of fear and tried to keep her distance. Once Detective Lynch was able to find, identify, and speak with Paul, the bartender, he said he was home about 7 p.m., and his wife confirmed that. Detectives were at a standstill, and they had no more suspects. Not very much evidence to go on, and wouldn't be able to do anything. You know, like, what do they make of this phone call? Right. So... Several weeks after a month after the shooting at Blue Rock Springs, the Vallejo Times Chronicle, the San Francisco Examiner, and the San Francisco Chronicle all received identical handwritten letters followed by a section Mm -hmm. of printed symbols like a cipher. The note was written in blue ink, and I'm course going to read the letter to you Good. that was sent specifically to the San Francisco San Francisco San Francisco I love it <laughs> the San Francisco Chronicle mm-hmm. and of uh-huh. course attach a picture of the cipher on our Instagram so make sure Ooh, you're following see. dear editor this is the murder of the two teenagers last Christmas at Lake Herman and the girl on the 4th of July near the golf course in Vallejo. Hmm. To prove I killed them, I shall state some facts only I and the police know. Okay. Christmas. 1. Brand name of ammo, Super X. That's why I told you the ammo earlier. Right. Okay. Number 2. 10 shots were fired. They found 10 shell casings. Mm-hmm. Number three, the boy was on his back with his feet to the car. Four, the girl was on her right side, feet to the west. So he's giving deets that. Fourth of July. Mm-hmm. One, girl was wearing pattern slacks. Two, the boy was shot in the knee. Three, brand name of ammo was mm-hmm. Western. Western here is a part of a cipher the other two parts of the cipher are being mailed to the editors of the vallejo times and sf examiner Mm -hmm. i want you to print this cipher on the front page of your paper in this cipher is my identity if you do not print this cipher by the afternoon of Friday 1st of August 69, I will go on a kill rampage, Friday night. I will cruise around all weekend killing lone people in the night, then move on to kill again until I end up with a dozen people over the weekend. Okay. each third of the message consisted of eight lines of 17 symbols each including greek symbols morse code weather symbols parts of the alphabet navy semaphore and um, astrological symbols it's just a bunch of crap yeah like a bunch of different symbols okay. from everything it's That's all over the place nut. okay precisely yeah Now, we must talk about this letter before we talk about what the papers did with the letter and how police react, etc. So, the thing that should stand out to just about anyone over the age of probably 10 will realize the spelling in this letter is horrible. It's Mm. horrible. Now, Christmas is spelled with two S's at the end. (laughs) The author of Listen. this letter also would not use proper punctuation. Some capital letters were used all over the place when there shouldn't have been, and lowercase letters right. as well. Yeah. Super weirdly wrote. You think more that than was done f- on purpose or like to throw off. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it was done in efforts to hide their intelligence yep. and their identity. Yep, yep, yep. I do believe that this is the zodiac, and I don't think there is really any debate on whether that it was is or not. Or, yeah. You know. So. The three papers that received the letters and ciphers did all end up printing them in their paper. Exactly. They did not print the letter in its entirety because the police asked them not to for the sake of the investigation yep. and holding some things close to the chest. Of course, even th- though the author of the letter knew that, w- knew that, which is why he gave info only the killer. Supposedly right. new. Right. Exactly. So the papers made copies of the letters and ciphers, then sent the originals to Detective Lynch, who sent them to the Naval Intelligence. Mm-hmm. The Vallejo Times Chronicle and the San Francisco Chronicle printed in their Saturday edition, not on the front page like the author asked though. Okay. And the San Francisco examiner didn't run their part of the cipher until Sunday. Okay. So they did not follow his rules. Right. Specification. It was stated that the editors doubted the authenticity, authenticity mm-hmm. quiz. That was good. You, know, you did it. So. Oh, of the letter. And mm-hmm. they weren't really the only ones. Vallejo Police Chief Jack Stilts wasn't convinced the letters were legit either. And he publicly spoke to, y- to the author to send, quote, a second letter with more facts to prove oh, it, End quote. We don't believe you. Yeah. Stilts admitted that some of the information in the letters were, in fact, private details about the case that police hadn't released, but he said that it was information any witness at the scene could have discussed with friends or around town in general. Okay. Granted, I suppose that people who found the bodies could have told others about the positions of the bodies when they found them. Maybe they're talking loud in a restaurant or even to a friend that thought it'd be funny to taunt police, but I couldn't find whether or not this was public knowledge of the ammo type used in both crimes or if it was the number of shots and I, fired you know, at the scene and i don't all that. feel like it necessarily would have been you know like they might tell the kind of gun but would they i'm trying to think back to crime reports would they tell the type of bullet I that's I neither here nor there but so anyway. yeah anyway but if this was all not public knowledge, then I feel like this would be a dead giveaway that this was the Zodiac killer. Right. So I just, I just don't know. You know, we do have yeah. letters to compare it to down the road. So okay. not my professional. How can you profile. tell me how many letters there are? Oh all? gosh, just out of curiosity, lots. There were okay. lots. I can't remember the exact number. Maybe sixteen. Oh. So uh, lots, lots. So after he does his last confirmed killing mm-hmm. that we know about, right? It seems like he might just write letters in place of the murders. Uh-huh. But some people think he was still active. We'll, we'll just have to still get into murdering. That. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. We'll get into that at in a moment. Well, not in a moment, but like three. Right. So we'll <laughs> in the next few months, not weeks. Months, godly. <laughs> no, no, no. You no. never know. Don't. I feel maybe like I'm a zodiologist just at this talking about it so much, maybe it'll get it solved. Do You know what I mean? Like, we're putting it out to the universe. We're talking about it a lot. You know hey, we did that with Brittany Drexel. Yes, we, we, we did. It? I'm, I'm fine. A minute, We did it. This is my not-professional half-profile I came up with while doing my Ooh. part of the research that... The Zodiac Killer would 100% boast about his crimes and take credit for them. No one had connected these two killings at this time. And he said, let me do that for police. Uh Like, I do think he would do that. Yep. Take credit for it. Right. And also, he's taunting police. So, Sunday, August 3rd, 1969 was the first time the cipher was seen altogether. Because, like I said, one of the newspapers didn't print their portion of the cipher until Sunday. Yep. That same morning, forty-one-year-old high school history teacher Donald Harden stumbled across the cipher in the paper. Mm-hmm. Even though he was a hundred miles away from San Francisco, he still had and he still had an interest in code breaking and, and thought he could do it. So he tried. To, he gave it a try. Okay. He started by grabbing a book, "Secret and Urgent" by Fletcher Pratt, which was a decoding book of some sorts. Cleared his dining room table, laid out a pencil, ruler, and an eraser. And used his prior knowledge of the English language, such as knowing E is the most common letter, followed by T, A, O, N, I, R, and S. Okay. And he also knew that the most common double letters are L, E, and S. Okay. And the most frequently used letters together are T, H, H, E, and A, N. So, he determined that the cipher was a substitute cipher, which meant that each letter was replaced by a symbol. In typical substitute ciphers, one symbol would stand for one letter. But in the Zodiac cipher, one letter could have had multiple symbols. symbols, Oh. Multiple symbols. He rotated throughout the letter, making his... That's why it made it really hard to solve. So, like... E could have had, like, five different symbols. Oh. Yeah, so it just didn't stand for, like, one letter. Okay. Well, I mean, even the naval intelligence had to ask the CIA and NSA to help crack it because they weren't coming up with anything either. Like, no one could crack the cipher. The symbols that Zodiac used included backwards letters, figures, shapes, and, like I said, like, all kinds of different symbols. Hmm. His issue at the time was deciding which part of the cipher came first. And he also couldn't tell where there were spaces in between words. Like it was just block letters. Hmm. You'll have to look up a picture of it. Okay. Look up the, uh... First? Yeah. First Zodiac. First Zodiac cipher. Check it out. Yeah. Zodiac. Now, Gray Smith pointed out in his book that in his research, he, he thought that he had found that the Zodiac actually did mark the letters in the order of Ooh, the sections were wow. supposed to go as a clue for himself. But um, the Examiner had two stamps on the envelope, the San Francisco Chronicle had three, and the Vallejo Times had four. So he feels like that was a way of. Numbering the cipher. Oh, this is... Whoa, Terry. Yeah, ma'am. It's it's bonkersville. This is something that I could not do. Decipher anything. Oh, yeah. That's... Yikes. Craziness. Yeah. Yeah. So, three hours into looking at this cipher, Mm -hmm. Don's wife, Betty... Jean decided to join in. Mm-hmm. She was very persistent and was determined to finish the cipher. They worked through the evening, and when Don went to bed for work the next morning, Betty continued working on the cipher. Even though she really didn't have any clue what she was doing, she kept trying. Okay. And when Don got home from work, they discussed it a little bit more. And Betty Jean had a personal opinion. She said that she believed that the killer would start the note out by saying, I... And he would mention kill us or some variation of the word like killing, kill yep. or whatever killed in yeah. in the letter in the note. So they started with that, and knowing that double L is one of the most common doubled letters, that's how they began deciphering the Zodiac's first okay code. So these are lay people. This is a high school teacher and his wife, Betty Lou. A hunt, Betty. G- no, no, Betty, Betty Jean. Jean. Betty Lou was our first victim. Sorry, yes. Betty. Betty Jean. Mm-hmm. The more they pieced things together, the more the cipher came together. Nice. He used kill once, killing twice, mm-hmm. killed and thrilled once a piece as well. They also started to recognize traps the author of the letter put in the cipher, such as using Q fifteen times. Hinting towards it being E, the most common letter, mm-hmm. but his E, the real E, used seven different symbols. Remember, too, how his letter was spelled. This cipher also contained misspellings that they were having to misspell the words that he misspelled. Misspelled. Yeah. But he was able to come up with this intricate... That's crazy to me. Yeah. He's not a good speller, I am. Yeah, That's weird to me, though. But it's bananas. Bananas that the Hardens decoded the entire cypher. They did it. I'm right. Two random people in Southern California. Not the CIA, not the NSA, Naval Intelligence, or even the police. Yes. The Hardens spent around twenty hours on the cipher and solved it in a week's time. Wow. They kicked ass, ma'am. Yeah. Around the same time the new Zodiac letter comes in. Mm. so they just deciphered it and here comes another one Mm -hmm. Uh. but let's read the cipher first this is how it read Mm -hmm. I like killing people because it is so much fun it is more fun than killing wild game in the forest because man is the most dangerous animal of all to kill something gives me the most thrilling experience it is even better than getting your rocks off with a girl The best part of it is that when I die, I will be reborn in paradise and they have killed will become my slaves. I will not give you my name because you will try to slow down or stop my collecting of slaves for the afterlife. Oh, my gosh. So, he's collecting slaves for the afterlife. Phew. This guy's uh, a lot. It's quite a lot. He's thinking he's going to have slaves in paradise. You don't say. In paradise. Okay. Then there were last 18 symbols that no one could ever decode. Okay. Now let's chat about a few things in the cipher. Mm-hmm. Um first of all, he referred to murdering people as a game, and some people take that statement about getting off as a little hint towards him being a sadist. Now, the phrase used in the cipher, the most dangerous game, many people speculate is a hint towards the book or movie, the most dangerous game. The book by Richard Connell was first published in 1924. It's about a guy who goes by General Zaroff that lives on an island where he pretended to be a host and housed shipwrecked soldiers before turning them loose to hunt them through the woods on the island. Mm. Yeah, it's very, very well associated with the Zodiac case because the Zodiac killer, in fact, hunted people and seemed to enjoy it. Obviously Mm. enjoyed it. He killed for the thrill alone. That was the only motive anyone could find for the murders. Now, the idea behind killing to collect slaves for the afterlife is thought to have come from a novel named Juliet by Mar- Marquis de Sade. Yes, published. Did I say that right? Yeah, you did. Yay! That was awesome. Yay. Okay. Now, this was published near the year 1800. hmm Already, he has used things such as taunting police through written letters to the press like Jack the Ripper. Yeah. Taking inspo from Zaroff, a fictional serial killer, and some creepy-ass philosophy Mm -hmm. or belief from this old book. Now, it is Mm -hmm. not the last thing he borrows or, you know, uses as inspiration. So, I just wanted to copy copy that out. Boo, you little copycat. Yeah, you little boo. Don called the Chronicle editor late at night and reported he solved the cipher, but was told he was one out of a hundred of calls they had received since printing the paper. Mm-hmm. He was said to mail his decoded cipher to the Chronicle and they would put it in the hands of Detective Lynch. Lo and behold, the Hardens really did crack the code. Naval Intelli- Intelligence overlooked their guess and confirmed it was correct. Keep in mind, though, it is not immediately published. So, There was a letter post dated for August 4th, Mm -hmm. 1969, and when the killer wrote again. This time, it was in response to Chief Stilts. This is a three-page letter he wrote this time. And this is the first time he names himself the Zodiac. Okay. The letter reads as follows. And I am going to say something that might trigger some people, and I don't personally like to refer to people like this but i'm going to read this letter word for word so i'm going to say it i'm going to give a warning um but dear editor this is the zodiac speaking in answer to your asking for more details about the good times i have had in vallejo i shall be very happy to supply even more material by the way are the police having a good time with the code if not tell them to cheer up when they do crack it they will have me On the 4th of July, I did not open the car door. The window was rolled down already. The boy was originally sitting in the front seat when I began firing. When I fired the first shot at his head, he leaped backwards at the same time, thus spoiling my aim. He ended up on the back seat, then the floor in the back, thrashing out very violently with his legs. That's how I shot him in the knee. I did not leave the scene of the killing with squealing tires and racing engine as described in the Vallejo papers. Mm -hmm. I drove away slowly so as not to draw attention to my car. The man who told the police my car was brown was a, this is the warning, a Negro, Uh about 40 to 45, rather shabbily dressed. I was in the phone booth having some fun with the Vallejo cop when he was walking by. When I hung the phone up, the damn thing began to ring and drew his attention to me and my car last Christmas. In that episode, the police were wondering as to how I could shoot and hit my victims in the dark. They did not openly state this, but implied this by saying it was a well-lit night and I could see silhouettes on the horizon. Bullshit. That area is surrounded by high hills and trees. What I did was tape a small pencil flashlight to the barrel of my gun. Oh, okay. If you notice in the center of the beam of the light, if you aim it at a wall or ceiling that you will see a black or dark spot in the center of the circle of light about three to six inches across. Okay. When taped to a gun barrel, the bullet will strike exactly in the center of the black dot in the light. All I had to do was spray them as if it was a water hose. There was no need to use the gun sights. I was not happy to see I did not get front page coverage. All the information that was given about the 4th of July murders was info that was not released and only known by the killer himself and the police. Mm -hmm. Same with the murders at Christmas. He also had similar misspellings like Christmas with two S's. And this is the first time he named himself, like I said. Exactly. And it was interesting to note that he said he did not speed away from the scene, although it was mentioned multiple times. People saw them speeding away from the scene. Yeah, Strange. So, yeah. Maybe it's trying to throw police off, thinking he's smarter than police. But Yeah. I maybe don't know. he really did speed away from the scene. And he was no, like, I do no know. No, no. Uh-huh. Well, exactly. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. I'm not scared. Well, I was a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> and I want to make sure to mention that this letter that Zodiac writes, he does not know the cipher's been solved yet, so he's taunting police again, saying that his name, you're like, you'll have me if you can solve the cipher, even though the cipher's already solved and right, we but couldn't decode his name. Okay, but we don't have to tell you when we do anything. Because you're not in control. Some people came out with a sequence of random letters that they thought the killer's name was just rearranged. Mm-hmm. They thought it was Robert Emmett the Hippie, but people were not, some people, most people are not impressed with that theory and do not, we I don't, don't know don't where that, it. yeah, I yep. don't know where that came from. Yep. He said the killer could be scrambling re, le, random letters at the end to throw us all off, or if it did mean Robert Emmett, he thought it was definitely an alias, like, Yep, that's not his wrong wrong name, it, right? Yep. So, Don's personal opinion was it was random letters to finish up the block, so readers couldn't tell which section was last. Mm-hmm. The L.A. Times reported the psychiatrist info that was given to police Vallejo, the Vallejo police. To help profile the suspect, basically, it said that the killer simmered over cut-off feelings for feeling like he was rejected by people throughout his life, and said since he compared killing to sex, it was a sign of inadequacy. Obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, It said the killer might feel like people look down on him, which is why he wants to collect slaves for the afterlife, to feel Uh like he has some sort of power. Uh This also indicated that he had a delusional idea of social rank in his head. And it ends by saying that the letters to police might be a call for help to be caught or exposed. Mm -hmm. Now, this will tie into a letter we will talk about in part two. Okay. Personally, I don't know. Now, when I wrote this, I said I don't think he wanted to be caught. But then I read some of his later letters and I'm like, did he want to be caught? Call- I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I haven't made my mind He's, up yet. Yeah. obviously a nut. So, I mean, we're going to be well, confused probably. <clears throat> I'm just, yeah. So, like, did he quit killing or did he die? Because after the five, people can't officially yep. link any more murders to him. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. But that's down the road in a separate episode. Um, so, Yeah but today that is all we will be doing you know that's yes. it that, we will pick up in part two with the lake Berryessa attack and the last murder in san francisco of a cab driver and talk about some more letters but let me give you my sauces and then yes. we will say hey it's crazy yeah. i'm real excited to be hearing this i'm glad yeah i hope i'm giving y'all a good deep dive i'm trying to get you all the info out there and do the zodiac case justice and the victims and get it solved yes sister. that's what the goal is because goal. i think we're 52 54 years into it now and right. we still have no yeah 100 fact like that's the zodiac killer we need to know we do need to know mm-hmm. So, um, I have a map of the crime scenes that was at 360cities.net. Um, I used the Zodiac, ciphers.com a lot, body, biography.com, killerfacts.com, Zodiac Killer Facts, Criminal Minds, um, SF Weekly, Benicia Herald Online, history.com, and a Reddit. Thread and I listen to the podcast Monster the Zodiac by iHeartRadio and Tenderfoot TV, mm-hmm. and the books Zodiac by Robert Graysmith and the Mo- the most dangerous animal of all by Gary Stewart. So crazy! I can't wait for more. I've I been looking more to do. I know I can finally stop wait. talking. Cannot wait. To Hear the rest of this, and yeah, that you did a great I want job. y'all to get into it with me because I want y'all to tell me who you think the zodiac is, yeah. when we get to the suspects. So, yes, I'm ready for the suspects. Like, I have a picture of who this human is in my head right now, and yeah. Well, I'm very interested in to see who y'all think he is. But Can't until wait. then, y'all will have to wait until next Tuesday for part two. Yes. We'll be talking yeah. about the Lake Berryessa attack. And we will be talking about the cab murders and the letters. Uh-huh. And then some more possible... Uh, victims okay so that sounds awesome y'all yeah. get into it please comment um of course like us on instagram or follow us excuse yes, me yes as always guys you ill-natured need, pod. yes follow us on instagram you need to join the facebook group Illnatured podcast Join us on TikTok. I, I, I recorded a few clips and I've tried to post on Facebook about our merch and yeah. I cannot get the video to upload for yeah. nothing. I have no idea. I'm going to have to try something else, but I don't know. All right, TikTok at Um, email. Send us an email illnatricpod at yahoo.com. And rate, review, subscribe. Tell your friends. Tell spread your friends, the word like wild. <laughs> tell everybody we're really close to the t-shirts they look yes awesome. we're so excited about the teas, um, man and we got to do some mugs and stuff too but we'll have plenty of merch for you for christmas so go ahead and you know put it on your list i need stickers Il-Natured for my laptop merch yeah we start to do the stickers yeah and not stamp, stamp. <laughs> no 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 we're gonna get a stamp we're gonna stamp the blank stickers Wait, period period but we love you all We thank you so much for listening again. All right. We will catch you guys on the flip side. Peace.